Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, part two, NFL 2020 mock draft picks 16 to 32, and maybe some chatter about guys not selected in the first round of this mock that maybe are some hot names. We need those clicks, people. Also, the team's not drafting inside the first round, what they might do with their picks coming up a little bit later on towards the end. Always hit the time codes, and you can jump to the team that you want to see. Also, if you missed part one, picks one through 16 of the mock draft, first, fuck's wrong with you? Figure that out. But you can do that very easily by hitting the description of this podcast or video and get the link to part one of the mock draft. Highly suggest that you check that out. If you want to get into a draw for 20 DraftKings dollars, it's easy stuff. Smash the like button to the video, leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section, and tell me at your pick the player that is mocked around that pick at least, theoretically could go at the pick that you do not want your team to take at that pick. That's the draw for this one. Also, if you want to get into a draw for 100 DraftKings dollars, subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast, leave a five-star review, DraftKings handle, something you enjoy about the Pat Mayo Experience, and you will be in that draw for 100 DraftKings dollars. To review and recap the first 16 picks of the draft, we have the Cincinnati Bengals taking Joe Burrow. We have the Washington Redskins taking Chase Young. Detroit is taking Okuda. Uh, the Giants are taking Willis. Miami is taking Tua. The Chargers taking Herbert. Carolina taking Isaiah Simmons. Arizona taking Wirfs. And then we get into Jacksonville. Derek Brown, defensive tackle. Cleveland taking Andrew Thomas. The New York Jets taking Becton. The Vegas Raiders taking C.D. Lamb, first wide receiver off the board. The Niners skipping wide receiver, taking a corner with C.J. Henderson. Tampa Bay taking Kinlaw. Denver taking Jerry Judy. And then Atlanta, where we had left off, goes to the edge and takes Chase on with their pick. That puts from RotoWorld.com, Thor Nystrom on the board. Dallas is up with the next pick, sir. What is Dallas doing? Yeah, so I mean, if I'm Dallas, I, I think we we got to get some secondary help. Um, and yeah, you know, we talked about it in the first segment. Um, AJ Terrell seems to be a guy whose whose stock is on the rise. And um, you know, what's a guy who after the national title game, it was it seemed to be dipping because he had gotten singed by Jamar Chase. But everybody gets singed by Jamar Chase. You know, Jamar Chase is a guy who's going to be a top ten pick in 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 the next class, uh, maybe a top five pick in the next class. Um, but Terrell is, is going to be a very good corner in the NFL. He was a guy who during Clemson's mini dynasty, um, was a tremendous cornerback. In fact, and the, you know, people talk a lot about his last national title game, but they don't talk a lot about the national title game before this past one, where he, he sort of kicked off the blow off blow out against Alabama by, uh, with the pick six against Tua. So, um, I'm going to take AJ Terrell, uh, for Dallas and, and, and plug the cornerback hole, uh, AJ Terrell to Jake Seeley of TheAthletic.com at Kid on Twitter. And to re- reiterate the rules of this mock draft, we are drafting as the teams we think will draft trades are allowed. Jake, do you agree with Terrell here? I agree with Corner. Uh, if it is Terrell, if we're believing Dane Brugler of The Athletic and the talk of Terrell, and he seems to be one of the late movers, sure. Uh, I had Diggs. Uh, I think that Trayvon Diggs is the one that they go to. But if it's Terrell, it just kind of comes down to similar. We're talking about someone from the first segment, someone like the offensive line, like who do they like more? If it was Diggs this entire time, which Diggs up until recently, 
was in front of them on most sites, at least uh, until this point. I could see them going digs if they've always liked Terrell, and now this is kind of spoiling things for them. But Terrell's still there. I'll let you and Thor decide this one. I have digs, but it's still corners, still addressing the cornerback position. Well, I think it's almost like a game of blackjack. If you play against the house for long enough, you're going to lose. The odds are stacked in your favor. Sometimes you need to treat it like a computer dashboard. You throw just a grain of salt into the motherboard, it's going to screw up the entire thing. So let's do that to this mock draft. Jake, let's go with you. Trayvon Diggs to the <laughs> Dallas screw Cowboys <laughs> at number 17. That puts you on the clock as Miami with Pittsburgh's first-round pick, who were the Dolphins yeah. taking at 18. I, I got to tell you, if I am the Dolphins sitting here and Henry Ruggs is still sitting here, I take Henry Ruggs. I, I don't know. I, I like I, I don't know that there's not greater needs because there is. Like maybe it's offensive line, but something we talked about in the first segment. Do they reach for Josh Jones? Do they go elsewhere? Do they go with some of the other names? Do they go with Ezra Cleveland or whatever it might be? Certainly makes sense. I just see Henry Ruggs sitting here and I say Devontae Parker finally turned into something that they thought he would, but Devontae Parker took a long time. So he actually is a little bit older. You're looking to build this team and Henry Ruggs is out there for your quarterback of whatever it might be in the future. If it is to a, I'm going to want some pieces moving forward for the long term and Ruggs sitting here for me. That's where I'm going hundred percent. If I am as the dolphins, I think that's the move they should make, but if offensive line is the way they go, I wouldn't fault them for it. So Ruggs to Miami with this pick Thor, what do you think? Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> if 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 Ruggs is here, absolutely. I mean, you, you might have uh, positions that are a little bit uh, uh, more needy for Miami, but I mean, in reality, Miami basically needs everything. And Ruggs is the last of the big three guys, but he's also a guy who has, you know, one of the trump card skills of any prospect in this this class which is his speed which is you know a, a field tipping type thing you know it's a a Tyree kill type type skill you know he he's a guy who tested in the 99th percentile um and and he's again he's gonna he's gonna tip the field he's, he's a guy who when he's on the field even when he's not getting the ball uh he he changes the way that the defense is defending uh the offense and so you know we got Miami the the quarterback at at the beginning there and um, you know, now we're going to get, we're going to let him play with the, 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 the quarterback that he played with in college. And hopefully they, he throws him the ball more this time around. Cause in, uh, in college, he, he threw it to Judy a bit more, which was, um, you know, sort of curious. It's, it's really the only question I have about rugs, to be honest with you, because rugs, you know, in, in terms of his game, there's not a lot of weaknesses there. You know I mean? Like the, the athleticism is, is just stupid. And also his hands are friggin' enormous. He, he has the second biggest hands in the receiver class and he didn't really drop any balls in college. He has one of the lowest drop rates of the entire receiver class. You could nitpick his routes just a little bit, but the way that I push back on that is, uh, you know, in terms of your footwork and stuff like that, and like in slowing down and making cuts when you're running in the four twos, it's kind of hard to, you know, getting in and out of your cuts when you're moving that fast. So I, I love Henry Ruggs. And if he's available here, almost any team, no matter what your other, uh, other needs are, you would have to start thinking about taking a talent like that. So Ruggs to Miami just found out that he has hands like Tony Robbins does. So that's always good to know. Tony <laughs> Robbins is like nine feet tall. So good on Ruggs. If you just throw him into traffic, just, just basically throw him the Nelson Muntz lob ball down the field. And I guess he'll be good to go. So Miami gets itself a wide receiver. And I do want to let everyone know if you hit the description of this podcast or video, like I mentioned, you can find part one of the mock draft. You can also find the scouting report breakdown with 
Emory Hunt and the running back class and overall what teams might be doing in their specific team needs and salary cap implications with Evan Silva. Both those shows came out last week, but you can still still up to date. You can still go check those out right now. Like I said, always use those clicks and downloads. Thor, you're back on the clock. The Chicago Bears would have had this pick, but they traded for Khalil Mack. So Vegas has this pick. Who are they taking? Well, so in with uh you know, and just for, for folks at home in the, in the, with the 12th pick, we gave Vegas uh, CD lamb. So I, I think right here at 19, they probably have to go uh cornerback, especially because, you know, one of their other big needs is interior defensive line, but unfortunately for them, Javon Kinlaw or Derek Brown have not fallen down the board. So I, I think at this point you're going to take a corner. Um, if it's me, I'm probably taking uh, Jalen Johnson or, or Christian Fulton. Um, but I think, uh, especially with uh, Mike Mayock, the way that they fetishize Clemson players, um, <laughs> I, I think I, I think that this might be AJ Terrell. They, they they like those big game players, and that you know, I mean, we've seen a lot of Clemson guys. We've seen a lot of Alabama players uh, selected by by this organization the last couple years, and it just seems like another guy that could get added to. Um, that list. Fulton, I guess, would fit that sort of mold, but Fulton was hit with that uh, two-year suspension earlier in his career that was uh, reduced to one. Um, and, you know, just in terms of the character stuff, that that might sort of nick him with with the organization and, and lose a tiebreaker to, to Terrell. So I'll, I'll go with Terrell here. So we, we've brought up Terrell a bunch of times so far, Jake, yeah. as a potential pick. Is this the spot where he goes? <laughs> Unfortunately... Well, so fortunately, 100% what I have in my mock draft, I have AJ Terrell here, uh, even with you ignoring my trades, which again, for graphic purposes, makes sense. I wouldn't do it either, but this is too much like my mock draft now where I could basically say, I hate to tell you this, Pat, but this entire mock draft is probably wrong because it's too much like mine. Uh, I have Terrell going here, but for what Thor said, if he's still on the board, if he doesn't go top 16, potentially, like we've heard the rumors of, if that doesn't happen and he's still here, quarterback is a need it's funny that you know Thor said that because originally I did have Fulton here until Terrell slid back and then we started to hear those rumors so I would say this is the pick this is almost an easy need versus uh, fit versus the love of Clemson as Thor mentioned so that would mean Jacksonville is now on the clock with the Rams pick at number 20 Jake who are the Jags going to take with their second pick of the first round so because of how this is falling and I kind of hope Thor disagrees with me just because I don't want my mock draft to be like what we're doing. It's too similar uh, because Chasen didn't go earlier where I made the case for him. I think Chasen makes a lot of sense here, but the Jaguars need everything. And now they're talking about trades and this whole Leonard Fournette that you brought up on the first show, the trade, which is funny that they're everybody's talking about that. Oh, it's because running backs stink. Well, what about all the other players that they traded from the defense that they let go that they didn't keep around? The Jaguars just don't make sense in general. I think Jason makes a lot of sense. I think corner makes sense, too, if they went Fulton here, if he's still there. Uh, I can see Fulton. I don't even have him going in the first round because of what Thor mentioned. The potential just let him fall to the second round because of concerns, quote-unquote. Um, but I think Jason, at this point, if he's still there, makes sense. I also think Fulton makes sense. Well, Jason went to the Atlanta Falcons in this mock draft. Oh, did, 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 did we? Thanks, did for, he? thanks for paying attention. I wasn't. I don't have anything to cross off to make sure I'm doing it. All right. Well, then we're going with Fulton, so it can't be my mock draft. So we're going Fulton for me. All right. So Kristen Fulton to the Jags. Thor, do you agree? Uh, I'll disagree with Jake because he wanted me to, and I'll take Chase on then. No, Jason's gone. He's off the board. <laughs> yeah, so Jason's gone. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm. I will take uh, uh, Jalen Johnson. 
here. Because I, I, I agree they do need a, a – Jacksonville needs a corner here. Um, you know, they, they got the interior defensive lineman before. Um, Jalen Johnson is he, – he's a guy that has the question marks in his own right. Um, they're medical, you know, with regards to his shoulder. Um, but he's a guy who was, a, a, you know, a dominant corner at, at Utah. Smart kid, athletic kid. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think that his questions maybe are a little bit less so than, than Fulton's character concerns. And he was just as good of a player, probably a little bit better. So I, I would take Jalen Johnson here. All right. Here you go, Pat. I'll, I'll pull the Gettleman and I'm going to Sharpie on my screen, the picks as they go <laughs> off. Oh, <laughs> uh, it'll be like when Roger Federer signs the camera after he wins. That's going to be Gettleman's mock draft board. <laughs> By the time Gettleman gets to round three, he's not going to be able to see his screen because everything's going to have Sharpie on it. All right, Jalen Johnson to the Jacksonville Jaguars. That puts the Philadelphia Eagles on the clock at number 21, Thor. They are rumored essentially to have been in the market for every single player that's available right now. Do you think that they end up keeping this pick or pulling a trigger on a trade, whether it be, I don't know, for more picks later on by trading down? Do they go trade for like a stud player right now? What do you see happening with this pick? Uh, well, I, I think if they don't take a receiver the fan base is going to sort of riot right <laughs> i mean right i i guess uh, so i, I like, agree what, what if they trade the pick for beckham well baby i sure i mean we it feels like they have to come out of this thing with a receiver one way or the other um i you know if we can't get the the browns gm on the on the phone um we're going to be taking one for them so um you know, unfortunately, rugs and that you know the big three are are off the board. Um, so taking a look here, you know, your options would be Denzel Mims, Justin Jefferson, Ray Gore. Um, I, I think Justin Jefferson is the guy that they have most commonly been linked to. It makes a lot of sense. You know, a, a couple years ago he played outside receiver. His stats weren't as good, but that was a a run first offense. You look at his market share that year. The, the number two receiver in LSU's offense that year had like 25 catches or something like that. Like Jefferson had like, you know, double or more the catches that he did. And then last year, obviously, Jefferson moved inside to the slot, put up stupid numbers last year, um, you know, just a ridiculous bazooka numbers and, you know, sh really showed something last year as, as as a slot guy, you know, his, his ability to sort of move around, you know, bodies, move around garbage, maneuver, um, and and showed a real um, sort of chemistry with with Burrow. Um, and so, like, I, I think that's where he projects best at the, at the next level, but I don't think necessarily that he's confined there. Um, but I, I do think that that's where, you know, he'll, he'll be his, his best usage is. And I think he's going to be a really, really good NFL slot. So I, I think Justin Jefferson would be my pick for Philadelphia. Jake, do you agree with Jefferson to the Eagles? So initially I did. And for everything Thor just said, I'm, I'm going to sneak preview switching Jefferson with my next pick, because I initially thought about that and everything. And I, do agree that Jefferson can play outside. The only thing that I'm looking at here is it, it kind of comes down to what do the Eagles feel? Do they feel he's going to struggle outside that we saw at sometimes? Again, it was a run, for all, run first offense, as Thor mentioned. Uh, but you see him at times kind of like drift to the sidelines and not give the quarterback the window. Sometimes he struggles with the press man coverage. So if the Eagles agree and say, like, maybe that's a sign and maybe last year is where he needs to play, well, for how the Eagles are set up, is, is that the best fit? Do they still want to try and get something to Aguilar? Or do they try to replace Deshaun Jackson despite he's still there? I mean, they brought back Deshaun Jackson because they were trying to get Deshaun Jackson 
that role back on this team. So I think it's really going to depend on what the Eagles feel. If they feel they're fine with Jefferson, I actually have them here. I could also see him going Denzel Mims if they're trying to go for the, you know, let's fill in the Deshaun Jackson role. Oh, Mimsy? I don't know about that. I'm <laughs> going to go with Justin Jefferson. Since you haven't mocked there anyway, Jake, Although you're saying it's we, up in the air with Mims. Yeah, I'll just say Justin Jefferson to 21 to the yeah. Philadelphia Eagles. That puts, Jake, you back on the clock. Yeah, the first the clock. of two Minnesota picks coming up. Obviously, they traded away Steph Diggs. Uh, they yep. could probably also use a receiver. Do you think they spend it on this pick or the next pick? I actually think they go wide receiver here. I'm going to default, of course, when we get to Thor on this one, you know, being in that area. and to get. But I do think they go defensive and wide receiver. I think they go wide receiver here. I would not personally make this pick. I am not a fan of Denzel Mims as a first rounder. I'm not saying he's going to fail in the NFL. I'm just not as high as everybody else. I joked about, you talked about Emery being on your show. I sent him texts where I was watching film of Denzel Mims. I was watching one drive and it was three straight plays that he was a passing route and he ran into the corner all three times. And I literally thought two of the plays were running plays because it looked like he was getting ready to block <laughs> this. This needs to be fixed in the NFL. He cannot run into coverage like this. He initiates contact. This can, like I said, it can be fixed as of today, but that's why I don't like him. But I think people are fascinated enough with his upside and his ability and what he brings to the table that they can fix that. And he is going to go into the first round and I can see him going here to the Vikings like I said, if they went defense first and then said the wide receivers are going to be deep enough that we'll make with the second pick, that's fine. But that's I, I kind of think Mims is going to go in the first round, despite I wouldn't do it. Thor, you're local to the area. What are you hearing from Vikings camp? Yeah, I think, you know, with those two picks, I think you're you're probably going to go uh, receiver and cornerback. At least, that, you know, that would be chalk right now. And I, you know, with both, you know, both positions right now, you have multiple guys on the board. So I, I don't think you would be confined to going either way. I'll give a thumbs up to the Mims pick. I like Mims uh, more than Jake, although I, I agree with, you know, the interpretation that there's, um, you know, there are technical issues with this game that need to be worked on. He, he also has a, a tendency to sometimes push off, you know, downfield so that there are some things that, that need to be worked on. But um, I, I like him a lot, you know, like last year at Baylor, they basically only asked him to do two things, which was run fly routes and then run slants a, across the middle. He was one of college football's best downfield receivers, you know, as far as the, the, the fly routes went. And then um, in terms of the intermediate stuff, he was, he was tremendous at that too. Well, you know, a lot of guys that were their, their route trees that pruned you, you nick them as, as being not capable of, of doing the other stuff. But Mims went down to the senior bowl and was just cooking people, you know, uh, roasting cornerbacks, running the, the full route tree stuff. And then he went to, uh, the, the combine and tested as just an elite, elite, elite athlete. So, you know, he would appear to have the juice to do everything. And, and, you know, at the senior ball showed that he could do more. Um, so at least, at least it gives you, you know, a, you know, at least in terms of projecting um, the idea that, that he could do more and, and stuff like that um, some confidence. So, you know, I, I like that in, in the athleticism um, obviously is next level as well, but he's going to have to be, uh, taught some things. Um, his hands in 2018, he had some drops that got a little bit better last year. 
Um, one other thing I'll say to his credit, his quarterback play last year was not the best. Charlie Brewer didn't right. have the best season and he bailed him out. And one other thing that I'll say in his defense is there's a lot of receivers in this class who were given a lot of manufactured production. You know, guys like Brandon Ayuk and, and, and Devin DuVernay and a lot of these guys were throwing just a crap ton of funnel screens and like, you know, all, all this bubble screens and, and all this kind of stuff. Denzel Mims was not throwing one screen last year. Everything was downfield or over the middle. His degree of difficulty was higher than any other receiver in this class outside of maybe Jalen Ragor, just because Jalen Ragor's quarterback play was an abomination. But uh, Denzel Mims's degree of difficulty was was very, very high. And so, so some of these different things, it was just because he was having to chase down ducks and downfield and like stuff like that. So I like Mims a lot. But I agree the risk profile is is a little bit higher. So, you know, you do have to roll the dice just a bit. But there's a lot of data points to suggest that, that at this point, the juice would be worth the squeeze with that. So let's do it. Denzel Mims to the Minnesota Vikings with their pick they acquired from Buffalo for Stefan Diggs a few months back or a month back. Who knows? But time doesn't even exist anymore. So it could have been like eight years ago <laughs> at this point. I have no idea. <laughs> Next on the clock, uh, the team that got rid of Tom Brady. Here they uh, might be in the might be in the yellow pages for a quarterback at this point. Jordan Love is the one who, outside of the top three, has been most projected to this spot with the New England Patriots. So, Thor, do they take Jordan Love here, or do they just go a different way? Oh man, I have, I have, I have trouble with this one. If if it's me for sure, I I, I think I would. Even though I I do have some some trepidations with Jordan Love, um, but it just seems like they won't, right? Like I mean, a couple of years ago, I was screaming at the television for Belichick to take Lamar Jackson, and twice he didn't do it. You know, and I was like, come on, come on, come on, um, and I don't like. Uh, Jordan Love nearly as much as as, as I like Lamar Jackson. Um, it seems like they've sort of talked themselves into to Stidham. Um, it, I, it seems like they're going to do something that um, that's a lot safer. So um, I I'll just make more of a Patriots pick and and take AJ Epinesa. Oh, okay. So AJ <laughs> Epinesa going defense to the Patriots here, Jake. What do you think? So I actually do think it's more of a Patriots pick in the defense, but I'm going to go super Patriots. I'm going to go for the one at home where everybody goes, who? Because it's Yeeter Gross Matos, the Yeats, man, because it's going to be a name. Everybody's going to be like, who's this guy? For people that don't pay attention to the draft and not realize the defensive upside that he has on a defensive line coming from Penn State. And it's the name that like that just feels like a Patriots name to me because it's like, ah, what the hell? They, they always have these weird things. I'm with them. I don't think they go quarterback. I keep saying this. I don't think, you know, at this point it might not happen, but I think the best case here is that the Patriots are kind of looking like they're going to try and pull the Colts of the Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck transition for next year. Why not bring in Cam Newton if he sucks after three games? It's like, oh, look, we tried, quote unquote, to be competitive and it just blew up in our faces. Uh, even if that doesn't happen, I do think they try to make something out of Stidham. So I do think they go defense. I think they don't go Epinesa. I think some of the talk about Epinesa with the off the field, like whatever might be going on with him, maybe just slides back. I still have him in the first round, but as the Patriots way, that's I'm going gross matos. That just hearing people say yeeter in a Boston accent is just well worth me making this. Exactly. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with you, Jake, on this one. What do we, Hey, so if let's say the Patriots don't do anything at quarterback, let's say they go into the year, like how good could they potentially be if they don't address the position whatsoever, Jake? 
With Stidham, I think we're possibly looking at the first time in a while that we've seen a Patriots team sub 500 because it's not just Stidham, which I'm not very high on it as ever. Like, I, I'm not trying to, like, trash the guy, but I didn't see him as more than a career backup personally. I'm not 100% correct. We've <laughs> None of us are. But I don't see him being anything more than that. And now you're talking about a wide receiver position where Nikhil Harry didn't get anything out of, and you had Tom Brady being vocal about how frustrated he was with wide receivers, including Harry. Edelman on his last legs I mean who knows what's going on like they still have so many questions in this game that it's not even asking Tom Brady to play with what they have at wide receiver you're asking Stidham to do it and then talking about a potential career backup here so I just think this if this is really what they do I I, I think they're tanking without tanking <laughs> uh, Thor how good is Stidham like where would you have had like where did you have him last year I had him pretty low. Um, honestly, I was surprised that that the Patriots took him. I, I think I had him like quarterback eight or something. You know, he to me, he was a quarterback that sort of reminded me of like the guy who like in seven on sevens in the summer that just sort of tears it up in shorts. And then when the, the bullets, <laughs> the bullets start flying, um, sometimes you'd see like the, the urine sort of start going down his pants a little bit. Um, and, you know, at Auburn, you know, he had he had sort of poor lines there at the end. So, you know, it's kind of unfortunate, but he had signed with with Baylor to play in the Bryles offense. And that went really well as a freshman. That's why he kind of flashed, because he's a guy that plays really well in the, the wide open spaces and stuff like that. And so, you know, you look into his advanced numbers, he's guy he's a guy where when he, there's not pressure in his face, he does well. And when he's under pressure, he does not do well. And those tend to be guys that. I, I don't like I, I I don't like to project the quarterbacks forward that that do not do well you know in the face of pressure that's one reason why I don't like Jacob Eason in this class he he has one of the biggest discrepancies between uh, a clean pocket and pressure of any quarterback I've I've ever seen probably going back to Christian Hackenberg so I, I I'm not high on Stidham but they apparently like him a lot and who knows maybe it's it it has to do with uh, we're gonna play Stidham because they're tanking for Trevor Lawrence next year I'm not really sure. All right, Jake, that puts you on the clock for the Saints. Likely a scenario where they just draft someone where they can win now. Or do they know that this could be Breeze's last year? It could be one of Breeze's last two years, and they look ahead to the future. I think if that happens, that's kind of a maybe a Jordan Love scenario where, again, I wouldn't do it if I'm the Saints. You know, maybe you get at least another year, if not two, out of Drew Breeze. But I think if they're going to do the Jordan Love thing, I don't know if they sit here at 24 and wait to hopefully get Love. If they're going for the Love play, they're going for the quarterback of the future, I think they have to trade up to make sure they get him. So if they're here in this mock draft, I think you have an opportunity where somebody right now, for me personally, linebacker Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma is still sitting on the board for them at a need position, at something that can step in from day one and help that defense. That's where I go if I'm the Saints. Thor, where do you go here if you're the Saints? Um, I'll stay at the same position, but just to be a little bit contrarian, um, I, I'll stay, I'll go local and, and take Patrick queen. He's a, a guy who grew up, uh, across the river from, from Baton Rouge and, uh, really leveled up last season, uh, for LSU. He, he's another guy who's a, a tremendous athlete, just like, uh, Murray is, but I, you know, my issue with Murray, his, his instincts aren't the best. And, um, you know, he, he did you know, he played over a longer period of time than, than Queen did. And he put up some stupid stats, but um, Queen's a guy who showed off better in coverage. And um, it would be, it would be kind of a cool story if, if, if the Saints took the local kid, I, I like Queen a little bit more as a prospect. So um, I'm going to put you to a tough decision, Pat. <laughs> well, let me ask you this, Thor. 
because of the lack of scouting that we've lost over the past few months since everyone's been on lockdown and where this is going virtual, do you think that we don't normally see it all that often, but do you think that teams might be more inclined to take a local player because they've presumably seen him more? Maybe, maybe. Um, you know, and it, it could be too, that it's like, um, you know, you, you only get that shot for like, you know, you, you have like the zoom stuff, right. And it, it, so you have like a smaller sample of amount of times where you make that sort of contact with the guy as well. So, and, and like you said, maybe, um, because, you know, guys, uh, around them in the stadium, you know, maybe the, the saints personnel has, has been inside that stadium and has been around a guy like queen more often, um, maybe just because of that face-to-face contact, um, that might give you know a guy like that a, a, a tiebreaker. You know, it's, it's just hard to say, but possibly. All right, so I'm going to go. I wanted Queen to go to the Panthers so we could play in the Queen City, but that's not the way it's going to go. Patrick <laughs> Queen, LSU to the Saints at pick number 24. That puts the Vikings back on the clock for pick number two of the 20s. Thor, what are they doing this time? Okay, so this time we have to go cornerback. We have to take care of our other big need. Um, you know, the, the the guys left on the board there, uh, Christian Fulton, Jalen Johnson, and and Jeff Gladney. Jason, um, you, uh, for the record, Jalen Johnson gone to the Jacksonville Jaguars at number 20. Oh, right. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> the... Uh, <laughs> So then this I'll, is I'll what's going to happen. <laughs> this is what's going to happen in the NFL draft. <laughs> I'll be taking, I'll be taking uh, 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 Jeff Gladney uh, here, and um, he's, he's going to be staying in purple. You know, he played at he played at TCU. He's a guy who, uh, um, you know, he he's a little bit shorter. You know, as, as far as a corner, he's a, he's a sub six foot corner, but plays very very feisty. Um, you know, it was a guy who was very active in college. You can send him on the blitz. He helps out against the run. Um, and he's very sticky in coverage. You know, he's a, another guy with very good movement skills, you know, st- stays in the hip pocket. He's always there at the catch point and stuff like that. Solid ball skills. Um, like I said, he, he's just sort of like a havoc guy. You know, he's, he, he puts up stats and stuff like that. So um, he's a guy that I, I, I think that uh, is going to speak to Mike Zimmer's heart, you know, as, as far as just like a feisty guy back there. Um, I, I think Gladney would be a good fit for the Vikes. Yeah, I mean, you can stay in the same color. You go from being a horned frog to a Viking. Sounds pretty good to me. Jake, what do you think? Uh, yeah, so I could see that. I think with what our scenario is playing out, I think you add in Christian Fulton, as he mentioned, which also, hey, still in purple. He got that one. I think you add in a third, and it just it's going to depend on what the Vikings want to do because let's see if he's got Xavier McKinney still on the board. If they see Harrison Smith entering last year, 2021, last year of his contract, safety's a need too. That secondary is just a need in general. I think the Vikings could take any of the three, and it makes sense for them. So I have no problem. Whichever the three you want to pick, if you want to stick at corner, if you want to go with Thor being the local over there. But I think any three of these picks makes sense for what the Vikings need. Well, since you're too cowardly to make a pick, I'll make it for you, Jake. (laughs) Gladney, two, the Vikings. That puts Jake on the board. Maybe you can have a pick this time. The Miami Dolphins are back on the clock again. So I'm so torn with this one because myself personally, I would take Swift. Uh, I would take the running back. Uh, You get the fifth year control. You waste the running backs best years as the NFL is doing, unfortunately for the running back position, but that's what you can do. Uh, Swift. I would, but it's going to depend too. It's like, what do the dolphins see here? The dolphins see Swift and then you can pull off some of the touches and keep them in the 15 to 20 range every single game. 
and have arguably the best talent? Do you take arguably the other best talent, Jonathan Taylor? Do you take J.K. Dobbins? Because all three of them for me are in tier one. It's personal taste, like the big four of the offensive linemen. I could see any of them making sense. I went with Jonathan Taylor here because I like one of the things he said at when I asked him at the combine is one of the things that he was talking about is like, what's the biggest underrated trait you have? And he said, he wants to dispel the myth that when you come out of Wisconsin, you can't pass catch. Well, if you remember LSU for years on end, Leonard Fournette, uh, Darius Geis, running backs who know how to catch, who can catch, who are decent pass catchers coming from an offense that didn't throw to the running back. Jonathan Taylor is the same thing. I could see people knocking him because of how many touches he had in college, but Jonathan Taylor is an exceptional, exceptional running back. I go Taylor. I can see him going Swift. I can see him going Dobbins. I think they go running back here. You get Tua, you get Ruggs, you get <laughs> Swift, one of these running backs in the, this three-round pick here. I, I don't see how the Dolphins fans aren't doing backflips for the next three months. Do you think, Thor, that the Dolphins organization says, you know what? Maybe we don't need to draft a running back in the first round. Or it's, we have so many first-round picks, why not a running back? Well, I, I, I like Jonathan Taylor a lot. Jo- Jonathan Taylor is, is my RB1. Um, but if I'm the Dolphins here, especially with, you know, the way that our board has gone here, where, where we sort of had a couple dual runs on, on corners and wide receivers, the one upshot of it is, is the offensive line where we had the, yeah. the run before. Some of these guys have filtered down the board. One guy I know is going to go in the first round for sure is Cesar Ruiz, and the Dolphins have a, a dire need on the interior line. There's a lot of running backs in, in this class, you know, that are going to go in the second round, but also guys in the middle rounds as well. You know, this this running back class is at least nine deep, ten deep in very, very interesting names. And so it's you know, it's not that I don't like, you know, Taylor or some of those other guys. It's just that the interior class, once you get past Ruiz, there is a really big drop, you know, because then it's like the next guys are like Hennessy and then it's like, you know, Muti, who's who has injury concerns. And then, you know, you have like a, a guy like Robert Hunt, who's, you know, very raw. And then you have guys with athletic limitations like John Simpson and like Logan Stenberg and, um, you know, Ben Bredesen and like different guys like this. So, um, you know, and the Dolphins also could look at a, a, a tackle here. Um, but I think that we're a little bit deeper there as well. And so just because the, the interior need is, is, is so, so specific and so acute, and there's just that one sort of uh, interior guy that stands above the rest. I'm going to pop Cesar Ruiz. If, if I'm the dolphins here, what position does Cesar Ruiz play for the dolphins? Is he a guard or is he a center? He could play either wherever, wherever they want to put him. Uh, you know, you have, you have three options there. Obviously he played the uh, center there uh, for Michigan, but you could put him at, at, at any of the three, you know, wherever the dolphins need him. Let me ask that. Let me ask a follow up too, Pat, please. Then uh, if Ezra Cleveland's still on the board for us with his flexibility of tackle or guard. What about that? Or just out of curiosity, because you know more a lot more than an offensive line than I do. Yeah, I I, I would keep Cleveland at at left uh, specifically at left tackle. I mean, he you know he could go either um, tackle spot, but I would keep him at tackle because his his special sauce is movement. Um, you know, he, he's not a guy who is a mauler at all, but um, he's a guy, you know, in, in, in terms of shuffling the half moon, um, keeping edge defenders on the outside. That's what he does. You know, he, he's tremendous at that, but he's a guy who's going to have issues with power at the next level. And so Ezra Cleveland is, is a team that zone or is a guy that zone teams are going to be looking at. Um, but I, I would want him as, as, as a blindside protector in a, in, in a zone scheme specifically. 
All right, let's go. Caesar decision. Ruiz to the Dolphins. Make the, right, make the right decision, Miami. Wait on running back in this situation. <laughs> or use our Laird and Savior, Patrick Laird again. People, at least in the gambling community, would love that. Uh, Seattle. No, see, it's also the right decision because you can waste a fifth year of his career. So you, can, you can't go wrong. Yeah. Uh, Seattle is on the clock, Thor, at number 27. You are up first with the picks. Who is Seattle going with? Seattle is going to go with... Jackson. yeah i think well i think they yeah i think they do need a tackle but i think i'm gonna go with uh i think i'm gonna instead go with uh, uh josh jones who is um a, a guy who you know uh regularly you know in, in mocks or i i think in real life might go a little bit higher than this but if he he falls down the board a little bit um I think that this would be really good value for him he's a guy that last year had the highest uh uh, pro football focus grade ever for a G five tackle. He's a guy who he needs a little bit of work in that technically, um, you know, in, in terms of his technique, he's, he's, he, he has, like I said, a, a little bit of work to do. He, he gets, he's gotten by in, in the G five with, um, you know, with, with a little bit of shoddy technique, but he absolutely dominated with it. Um, a little bit of technical refinement. And I think he's going to be even better in, in, in the NFL, there's a lot to work with there. So I think at this spot here, I, I think it's really good value and getting the fifth tackle, you know, where there's that huge gap there, you know, at their back then. Um, I, I think Seattle would be really excited about that, especially because, you know, maybe they were looking, oh, maybe Ruiz falls, maybe Ruiz falls. Ruiz doesn't fall, but uh, Josh Jones does. So um, I, I think that would be a great pick here. Do you think that offensive line is the going concern for the Seahawks, Jake? I do. And so I jokingly whispered Austin Jackson. So I'm going to throw two at you to make you make the tough decision here. The way the board is shaking out for our draft here, Ezra Cleveland's still here. So I think that makes a lot of sense because where I'm looking at, where I'm looking at the Seahawks is the Dwayne Brown scenario of replacing him next year. And that's why I was, when I said Austin Jackson, because Thor threw that out about Jackson earlier in the draft is saying he probably needs to learn a little bit before he can take over. Well, you have the Dwayne Brown one year you know, fix right now, let Jackson learn step in next year as that centerpiece left tackle. But offensive line just seems to be the answer, whether it's any of these three, like I said, Ezra Cleveland's still on the board and was a big name that's been moving up the board lately, similar to AJ Terrell. So I think it just depends on where they go at offensive line, whether they want something now, whether they want something interior interior, or they want the, the development in Austin Jackson. Well, I mean, has Austin Jackson retired from the Detroit Tigers yet? <laughs> actually i think that one did i think he's finally done yeah if you draft some of these mlb guys you got to know austin jack's probably like 35 at this point so it's probably not a great pick uh i've seen jones go as high to like number 14 uh to the tampa bay buccaneers probably too high for him there but that's where the collective mind is around him and we've talked about this draft that no one no one knows anything anyway about the nfl draft this year it seems right. like even more they don't know so i'll go with josh jones uh to the seahawks at this pick and put you back on the board jake number 28 to baltimore i'm trying to think of where yep. they need to upgrade because offense is, offense is really weird for them because with the style that they run like, are you going to go out and get another receiver? That doesn't seem like no. a huge need. Like, do they need more offensive linemen? Maybe. No. What do they need? Linebacker. They, so, first of all, to, to answer your wide receiver question, they have their answer in Miles Boykin. I was a big fan of Miles Boykin as being one of the more underrated players in last year's draft. He's their answer because 
He doesn't need to go out there and see 120 targets. That what they needed from him and what they're going to get from him is that red zone, the chain mover for first downs, the big option for Lamar Jackson. And, you know, he's not going to be great for fantasy consistency, but he fits their offense. So wide receiver is not an issue for me. It's linebacker. And what I originally had was the one that we took for the Saints. It was Patrick Queen here. So because Kenneth Murray is still there for our draft, I think they go Kenneth Murray instead. Kenneth Murray to the California Raisins with their pick, or the Baltimore Ravens, one of the two. Thor, who you got? Love it. Yeah, I mean, it, if it goes like this, I, I think the Ravens would would love it. And you, you know, you talk like we were talking before about how the the Raiders love their their Clemson players. Uh, the Ravens love their Oklahoma players. So, I mean, this would be perfect on, on that level as well. Um, and, you know, I have some trepidations about Murray that I, I mentioned before, but at, at, at this point, um, he's perfect. You know, at, at 28, I, you know, I, I couldn't nitpick this. I mean, he's, he's a guy who's a high, high, high octane athlete. We know that he works his ass off. You know, he's, he's a, a super duper high character player. I, I think, you know, people know the story about him with the, the th- three special needs adopted uh, siblings. If they don't, I'm, I'm sure ESPN is going to show, you know, that, that profile plenty of times uh, on, on, on draft, you know, draft day or whatever. Uh, he's a guy who's in the film room all the time. Um, you know, he's, you know, a guy who's like, you know, first to practice, last to leave, et cetera. So he, he's a guy who's going to squeeze everything out of himself. Um, like I said before, my, my, my concern with him has to do with the slow instincts and the fact that he has been, a you know, the hardest worker to this point, and he still has some of those, but, um, you know, we'll see if, if he can sort of speed up the processing, you know, when he gets to the NFL, but all the tools are there. Um, and you know, he could potentially level up when he gets to the NFL, but at, at this point, this is a slam dunk pick. Absolutely. Is Baltimore one of the franchises that if you see a player that you see the raw talent and you know that there needs to be improvement and coaches can really instill that, whether, whatever it might be, is Baltimore like one of the premier landing destinations that you could actually go to? Yeah. And like that, you know, getting the like explosive type athlete and, and, and having like a, you know, the, the team that will um, see that guy and fit them, you know, look at them and, and not try to fit them into what, you know, the, the, the coach on hand wants to do, but take that player and find out what is this guy good at and what is his limitations? What, what should he, you know, you know, what, what should he not be doing? And then put that guy in the position to succeed. You know, we've seen, I mean, Lamar Jackson's the obvious example, but we've seen this over and over with their players. You know, this is a specialized era, but the, the, the Ravens really do that in sort of uh, micro type ways with their players schematically. And I, I think Murray, you know, would be, tremendous because they they you know they could do this with his game as well and and try to sort of avoid some of his uh diagnostic weaknesses as well so i I think it would be just a tremendous fit to quote fred durst there is agreeance on this pick kenneth murray to the ravens at number 28 thor back to you tennessee number 29 uh at 29 the uh do they go like the the best player i can see on the board right now because he's fallen down mightily is xavier mckinney yeah, you know, f- for me, I think I'm going to go with uh, AJ Epinesa. I I think that the Titans need edge help. Um, Epinesa is a guy that, um, you know, he's fallen down some boards, but 
he's a guy that I like a little bit more um, than some others. Um, he's a guy that he tested poorly as an edge, but if you just flip his position to interior defensive line, well, then he's testing in the 92nd, 93rd percentile again. He's a power end. You know, he's, he's more of like your Cameron Jordan type. I think his game will play as such in the NFL. You know, he's he's not – you know, he's, he's not like the edge bender, you know, the, the, the Uber athlete there on the edge, but he's, he's the power type. end that's going to help you against both, you know, the, the run, and then also pushing the pocket there and you can uh, move him inside, um, you know, in obvious passing situations and then bring another uh, edge rusher in, um, you know, on, on third downs and stuff like that. So um, I, I think if I'm the Titans, I might be looking edge here. Um, and I think, you know, for, for me, I, I think that there's a big drop after Epinesa, um, especially if you look at Zach Bond as a linebacker, you know, like the, the next guy would be like Terrell Lewis, stuff like that. Like there's a big drop there. So I, if I'm the Titans, I'd, I'd want a guy like Epinesa here. That's how I'd see it. Uh, another person who has been described more as a power end than an edge bender. It's Jake Seeley. Are you going to go with this pick here? <laughs> Uh, I'm not, I'm going to go a little bit differently here. And so this is why I do think there'll be at least one trade in this range. Cause you just brought it up. Like in our scenario, McKinney's still there. Uh, McKinney, I don't think is the best right now fit for the Titans. I'm actually going offensive line. I initially had Josh Jones here. I'm going to keep pounding the table for Ezra Cleveland at this point, uh, because they was, what is this first name? Brian? That's not Brian Kelly. Is it Brian Kelly? Dennis Kelly is the guy that replaced Jack Conklin. I mean, they just, they need offensive line help. This is a, wants to be a run first team. I think it, excuse I'm getting choked up over here. I think at this point they would go offensive line, but because McKinney's there, because, you know, Epinesa is not, it definitely should be a player that's on a lot of teams list. This seems like a scenario now where we're starting to talk about players that are like, Hey, they shouldn't still be here. Maybe somebody tries to jump back into the first round or get a first round that they don't have. So if it's the Titans being here, I go offensive line. But now we're still, like I said, I think we're talking about potential trades. If the All right, well, let's, 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 this. let's, we haven't made a trade yet. Let's make at least one trade. Who is going to trade? For let's this make team? a trade. Let, let, let's who's trading for this Tennessee pick for McKinney. Yeah. Are we, are we taking, are we taking McKinney? We'll take, we'll Ooh. take McKinney and we'll make a trade. Hmm. I don't know. Go to, go to Thor first. I'm going to look here. Thor, who, see. who, who would trade up for McKinney? Do you think? Well, I feel like if there is a trade at this point with someone who's still on the board, I feel like it would be for Jordan yeah. Love, right? Oh, oh, this is it. Oh, yeah. Let's see. That's a good call, too. So, so which way do we want to go with this? Do the Colts trade back up and take Jordan Love? Oh, that would be let's interesting. Let's do that. Let's do that. All right. Let's do that. So, Tennessee trades its pick to the Colts. Because I was going to say the Bears need a safety, but I don't see the, the Bears already gave up draft capital with the Khalil Mack trade. I don't see them trading up again. Yeah. Yeah. Trade to Indy for Jordan Love. So the team's not in the first okay. round right now. Indy, Houston, Pittsburgh, I'm down uh, with that. Buffalo, Chicago, and the Rams. That seems to be the team who would be in need after this Phillip Rivers contract and the Brissette contract is done. So there we go. Jordan Love to the Indianapolis, he made it. To the Indianapolis <laughs> Colts at number 29. That puts Green Bay on the clock at 30. Jake, what do you got? So this is not, that's just where, like I said, right now I have six wide receivers and I have Ayuk going here. I think if you look, so I talked about this you to, to, with this, with you off air. And I said, this feels like where I could see the under hitting on wide receivers. If you are the Packers here, the Packers have ignored wide receiver too long. Like Ty Montgomery doesn't count as drafting a wide receiver. They haven't drafted a wide receiver before the fourth round since Devontae Adams in the second. They, they need to stop dicking around with these 
unrestricted or undrafted free agents, these five, six, seventh rounders trying to make things happen as much as you can like Lazard, like it just, they need to address it. So where I'm saying is like, whether it's Ayuk or whoever they like, if it's Pittman, if it's somebody else, I see them making this move, not just for the fifth year, but because they're at the end of the round, if they wait to the end of the second, now it's like, did I miss tier two? And now do I wait more and miss tier three or do I overdraft tier three? And that's why I could see them taking a wide receiver here because it's like, what do you do in round two if you don't take a wide receiver here? So I'm going to have them taking a wide receiver and I'm going to take it and have Ayuk. When it res- I'd be surprised if it's one of the other wide receivers that's still on the board for Rager or Pittman or anything like that. Or even Higgins at this point. Thor, who do you got? Yeah, Ayuk's interesting. Um, I, I like some of the other guys that are, that are available a bit more. Um, I, so do I. I it, was, it was kind of a fit thing for me. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Chenault. Um, but I because of you know, what I was talking about before, as, as far as the medicals, you know, I, I see why there's been all this stuff about he's going to fall to the second. So I won't do that. Um, but I, I guess, Pat, I'll put you to do a decision on this one. I, I do agree with Jake that this is going to be receiver. It, it feels like that's the way that this one's going to go. Um, but I will go with Jalen Ragor. Um, you know, I was mentioning before, um, you know, context, you know, as far as like Denzel Mims and and stuff like that with with Ragor, um, he had the lowest percentage of on target balls thrown his way last year. And it was like, you know, 33 percent of balls thrown his way were on target. Um, a, a receiver of his type needs balls thrown on target. He's not a T Higgins. that has like an enormous catch radius. He just wasn't allowed to show his juice last year, his special sauce. He needs a quarterback that with accuracy that can hit him in the intermediate sector and watch him go. Um, and if he finds green Bay, if he can get to green Bay, um, he's going to, you know, you're going to see him level up really quickly and he could show to be a steal. So I think this would be a really good fit. He's a guy that I can compare to Brandon cooks. Um, I, 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 I would I would really like this fit. So anyway, I'll go with Ragor. Well, I'll decide. I mean, you made a Game of Thrones reference earlier. If you're named after a dragon, then why not end up taking you here to the Packers? So Ragor to the Packers at number 30. Thor, that puts San Francisco back on the clock. They drafted, at least in this mock, C.J. Henderson at number 13. They could go O-line. They could go receiver. They got a lot of options here. What are they going to do? Yeah, yeah. Let's see. Cleveland and Austin Jackson are still there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, we could go, we could go receiver, or we could go, we could go line. But yeah, that with the offensive line, um, with receiver, we talked about this before. There's just more depth there, and so it it would seem kind of weird, you know, with all the talk that we've had with the 49ers, uh, you know, with regards to receiver, that they wouldn't use one of these two picks on on receiver, but. With the way that the board has fallen, you have these these three offensive linemen that um, you know most people are are projecting as as you know possible first rounders or first rounders. I got to take Ezra Cleveland here because I I I don't see a way that he falls out of the out of the first round. I I can see a scenario where Austin Jackson does for sure because he's he's uber raw and Isaiah Wilson has been a late riser. I don't personally see him as a first rounder, but Ezra Cleveland, he just moves too well. And he just projects as such a good NFL, at least in pass protection um, that I, I got to go with him here. And the Niners, they don't have a ton of draft capital later on, but you're going to be able to get a receiver later on that you'll be able to, to plug in and at least do stuff with. Whereas the, the tackle class, it's going to drop off pretty quick after these next couple guys. So we'll just pop Ezra Cleveland and we'll go from there. 
Jake, you've been on Team Cleveland here for a while. Do you agree? <laughs> I agree in this scenario. If they do do wide receiver because that's where you know I had them going earlier and they don't take offensive line, I think of what's on the board. I think Chenault makes the sense here. If you're looking at, especially for a team that could take that risk where maybe Chenault goes earlier, if not for the medicals, somebody who gets downfield, who can play that deep ball, who has that ability and that speed, because now you're talking about T Higgins. Eh, he's better in finding space and zone. You're talking about Pittman, a bigger wide receiver, actually struggles a little bit downfield. I think Chenault is the best fit if you're talking like, again, because my case before was obviously with like maybe a MIM scenario is getting that Goodwin replacement that never worked out. So that's where I think they would go at wide receiver. But to the point, again, we have two offensive linemen, Jackson and Cleveland, which just makes sense. Joe Staley is entering his up thousandth year of playing, and they need to like think about the offensive line long term because this is going to be a team that's contending for a few years. Well, that puts the Super Bowl champions on the clock. Pick number 32, the Kansas City Chiefs. Jake, offense, defense, probably secondary, right? Uh, no, because so I'm going to go to one that Thor has been banging the table for. And if this is the case, I think that we might see uh, some some uh, dancing in his shorts if Epinesa is still on the board here. And I think that the Chiefs would be crazy not to take him. Thor, would you agree with that with Epinesa? Yeah, I'm, you know, in, in terms of value here right now, I mean, you know, if you're going to go secondary, it would be Fulton. You know, I, I, yes. I for, for me, I, I don't know where else you could go there because I, I think you would have to go cornerback. Um, but for me, Epinesa would be such a good value here that, um, I, yeah, for, for me, that'd be a slam dunk pick. For anyone that doesn't know, what are the concerns about Epinesa? It's, it's the testing stuff. It, it's this idea that, you know, he's sort of stiff there out on the edge that he doesn't have the juice to, you know, to, to get around the edge. Um, you know, he's, he's not an edge bender type. Um, it, it, it's more the people that fetishize this specific kind of edge than it has anything to do with Epinesa himself. M my thing is more that it's not that like he's a, uh, you know, a, a medium ceiling uh, limited guy. I look at him more as, as, as versatile. Um, I, I, you know, he's a power end and he's a guy that you can move inside. And he's a guy that um, he's, he's going to allow your defense to do things that it's not currently doing, you know, like everyone sort of fetishizes these defensive ends who are these one trick ponies that are just pass rushers. And they never talk about the fact that they don't do anything else. It's, it, you know, and whereas Epinesa is a guy who is, is going to be pushing the pocket is going to be contributing against the run is going to be setting the edge on every single play. He's, he's going to be someone who's held to deal with for offensive tackles. Um, I, I realized it's, you know, the athleticism again, it's not, he's not testing, you know, in the 99th percentile or whatever. But again, if, if, if you just switch his position designation to the interior, he's all of a sudden he's testing in the 90th plus percentile. And in terms of strength, that's absolutely what he is. He's a country strong uh, type kid. He was a five-star recruit coming out. Um, he's, he's a really, really, really good player. Um, his, his college production was right up there with like Nick Bosa and stuff like that, even though they're, they're not the same kind of players. So I just think the end of the first round, he's fallen down here because of the testing. Um, I, I think now is the time that you pop him. That are all 32 picks of the Pat Mayo experience. First round, mock draft. But there are still teams that didn't have first round picks. Jake, the Bills traded away their first round picks for Stefan Diggs. That means they don't pick until number 54 at this point. 
What do you think the Bills end up doing? Like, are they a smart enough front office that they're not just going to be like, let's let's get another running back? We lost Frank Gore. We need to replace him here. Or do they just address <laughs> the defense, get some depth at corner? Uh, I think if you look at it, you just kind of maybe you trade up in the second round, not to the first day, just because it would cost too much if there's a player that you just see falling. I mean, like similar to this situation here. I mean, now we have McKinney. Like if McKinney makes the second round, it's just insane. But like these type of things where maybe somebody's doing that in round two and they trade up for a need on defense. I think you just go for what fills the position the most at this point. Cause it's crazy to talk about it. And I think it's crazy to say, but where's the needs on the bills right now? Like, I mean, you want to say like, if they don't, if they're not fascinated with Dawson Knox and they go tight end maybe, but I mean, 10 is always going to be a project anyway. So I think that you just look at the second day, you look at, you do some studying overnight on Thursday and say, okay, who's the best that's still there. And if you see somebody sliding back, that's still way up on your board, maybe a top 20, 25 player, you move up and go get them. Uh, Thor at, at their pick in the fifties is like, are there any corners that you can see available? That the bills might end up targeting. Well, man, if, if sure, I mean, uh, Christian Fulton, if he keeps falling down the board because of those character concerns at this point, once you get to 33 or below to me, in terms of value, he's a slam dunk. I, I think I rank him as the third cornerback in the class. Now I, I didn't get to interview him. You know, I, I didn't get to talk to his coaches. So I, you know, I haven't been inside the building there. I, I don't know how acute those are. He did something really stupid, which is uh, he was being tested for PEDs and he'd smoke pot a couple days beforehand. And he didn't want to get caught for pot. And so he, he used someone else's urine and turned that in. And that's what he got suspended for, um, which is really stupid. But that's that's what all the, the character stuff comes from. But he's, he's an awesome cover guy and the athleticism is there. So if he's going to fall down because because of that, uh, great. I, you know, again, in terms of value, that'd be tremendous. Um, Noah, Ig, I, I'm not going to pronounce his name right, but Ig, Ig, Igbon, uh, the, the kid from Auburn, he's, um, <laughs> Jay, can you pronounce it? No, I'm not going to try. That's yeah. why I was laughing. I'm not going to, I'm just going to let you stumble <laughs> over it. <laughs> yeah. Ig, 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 Bonnier. Um, the, the, the kid from Auburn, the, uh, the, the convert from, uh, uh, receiver, he's another guy that in that range, um, would be a guy to look at. Um, he's a guy who in his first year. So right when he transferred, when, when he switched positions in 2018 was awesome. Um, like, like in a way that was like confusing or like, you know, really eye opening his first year at the position was just tremendous. And then last year he really regressed. So it was like this sort of like Benjamin button kind of weird developmental thing. Um, but we talk about the movement skills. He's one guy that has it, you know, some cornerbacks don't have it. He's one guy that does, you know, he's just tremendously fluid. He's got the speed for days. His feet are awesome. Um, but he's lacking in some instincts, you know, like right now, and this is not a surprise, but like when the ball's up in the air and he's got to run downfield with his back to it, sometimes, you know, you see like the panic and he doesn't like, you know, know how to get his, his head over, you know, and stuff like that. And sometimes he'll allow completions to receivers when he's right in the vicinity, you know, like different stuff like that, just because he doesn't have the cornerback instincts down right now. But he's a guy where, you know, because of that, he's going to be available in the second round. He might be a guy that you could pick there and work with who might have, yeah, you know, learn from Josh Norman. Round. Exactly. 
Chicago Bears have two picks in the second round, picks number 43 and pick 50. There's a chance they could package those picks and try to move or even move back if someone continues to fall down into the 40s. Jake, what do you think that they do here? Do they address offensive line? Like the Bears have offensive problems. Their defense still isn't all that bad. So, And they just ended up signing Robert Quinn. It's not a bad deal. I mean, it's not a great deal, mind you, for the money. But right. He's not a bad player. So where do you think they end up going? I think that if depending on like, so the draft that's falling our way. So we see this kind of happen every single year where offensive line starts to take this enormous capital in the draft because everybody, that's the hardest thing that seems to be anybody can find is offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. You know, we had Ezra Cleveland, we had, you know, uh, Jackson, these guys slip into the end of the first round. Maybe one of them falls out. Maybe there's one that they do like that's in there in the second round. And that's what they go for because offensive line is a desperation need for them long-term. I think it was like, what is 29? their 30th on football outsiders last year so that's that's a clear concern I think if that's not the route that they go I know I just talked about McKinney again before but you know secondary corner safety is something they could beef up and address as well where if one of these guys is similar to what he was just talking about with Thor I'm not going to try and pronounce his name but you know if they look at the secondary position I think that the Bears need to be thinking secondary and offensive line mostly. Uh, I think that they have their answer. And, and wide receiver for people who want to throw that out there, I think that's foolish. I think they saw what Anthony Miller could finally do in the second half of the season. I don't think that's something they need to address until the third day. Uh, Thor, the Texans are in a very similar situation to the Bears. They have two picks in the second round as well, number 43 and number 57. Uh, since Bill O'Brien is making these picks, I mean, he might trade them for a bag of magic beans or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> but what do you think realistically the Texans should be doing with these picks? Well, I, I would have said uh, uh, running back, but uh, <laughs> Mr. O'Brien seems to think that uh, that David Johnson's a three down star. So, uh, perhaps not. Um, but you know, in the second round, there's going to be, I think a lot of awesome running backs there. I mean, that's in, in, in this class, you know, especially cause I, I, I don't know that a, a running back, you know, Pat and I were talking before the show, I don't know that a running back is going to go in the first round, you know, this year, um, because of the way that this thing is constituted. And so, but there's like, you know, five, six guys there that might be in the second round that are really, really good, good backs. But I, with Bill O'Brien, you just don't know. So maybe they're, <laughs> they're, they're looking to beef up that, uh, that front seven. And then also the other thing would be cornerback, you know, they've invested a lot in that recently, but they've had some, um, you know, guys underperforming, et cetera. And so, you know, would they look for a guy like, um, you know, Cam Dantzler, you know, is, it, it, you know, is a long guy that uh, might fit their system and is a guy who in, in college played really, really well and stuck to some really good uh, receivers. You know, he, he did not give up a lot of yards in college, but he didn't test quite as well. And so he's going to go a little bit lower than, than we thought he might be um, you know, one guy to look at if, if, you know, a guy like uh, Noah from Auburn isn't there or whatever, you know, just one idea. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's kind of tricky when we get down to that Pittsburgh, Jake, Pittsburgh picks, where is Pittsburgh's first pick here? The Steelers. 49th. Pick, uh, number 49 for the Steelers. Like I, I feel like if Ben comes back and Ben is even 90% of what he was, the Steelers can be pretty good here. Where do you think yeah. that they could use the biggest immediate impact? Because they will want to contend this year. Uh, well, so it's the difference between impact and need. The biggest need, I think you could argue, is offensive line. And I think that you look at defensive line, front seven, but mostly the defensive line, I think this is probably the biggest impact need. 
And with the way that the depth of the defensive line that's in this draft is there, they're going. Th- there's going to be players on the board probably at 49 where they probably don't even have to trade up. I mean, there could be. This seems to happen a lot with the Steelers. It just seems like there might be a player that just falls to them at that spot and be like, "Oh my gosh, look! I couldn't believe this guy was here. He should have been gone 10 picks before this, or whatever it might be." But I think that's might be where that might be where they go because I don't think the book is been written on James Washington. I'm still a fan. And if it's not him, I think Deontay Johnson, I don't think they need to address wide receiver. They did address tight end. They have weapons for Ben Roethlisberger. That's not where they need to go. Running back to the, what we've been talking about, you know, I maybe because James Conner can't stay healthy. Maybe they go there, but I, again, I don't think they need to address running back with their first pick where they can't just find maybe AJ Dillon still there with their next pick and they just go for the power and you get the, almost like a Derrick Henry type at that, that backfield. So I think defensive line seems to be the most logical. So the Steelers pick at number 49th or the Rams pick at number 52. They don't have a first round pick this year or next year because of the Jalen Ramsey deal. They're or in- the next 10 years, by the way. <laughs> it's true. Um, <laughs> they need stuff on the cheap. They need players because they're in salary cap hell. They're paying over $20 million for Gurley and Cooks to play for different teams this year. So they're trying to get out ahead of this. Is this a build for the future type of thing? Like if a player falls down the board with extreme talent, it feels like they'll just take best possible at any position, except for maybe quarterback, I guess. But is this a pick you could see them trading out of? Uh, yeah, maybe to get some, some draft equity. And by the way, l- let me just say first that I love the idea of the Steelers taking Dylan and then having like a depth chart of like James Connor and AJ Dillon <laughs> and Benny Snell. Like, I just, I love that, you know, just having beef, just, just beef, you know, up and down. Um, but yeah, as, as far as the Rams, like, um, it's tough, right? Like, cause they've, they put themselves into this situation where, you know, they're, they're in salary cap hell. They, they don't have any picks, but, um, I, I mean, you can't really rebuild in the situation they're in because they don't have any picks. Like they, you know, it's not like they're going to like tank. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, y- you sort of have to plug your holes and, you know, I think their holes are on defense right now. I, I think you're probably going to be looking for guys that can come in and, and, and help you, um, in the front seven. If it's me, I think what I would probably try to do is like shoot for the moon on every pick and just hope that I get lucky. I, I think that I would like go high upside and, you know, if I, you know, who, who knows, like, you know, if, if, if you blow the pick, whatever, because you've already sort of blown your cap situation and, and your picks and stuff like that, I'd be looking for, you know, really high upside guys, like a guy that I like, you know, it, it's a total flyer, but a guy like Willie Gay, a linebacker from Mississippi state, he tested just south of like, uh, uh, uh Isaiah uh, Simmons from Clemson. Um, you know, he was, Willie Gay was like in the 99th percentile in terms of spark, but he was a guy that didn't play a ton of snaps in college because he got suspended like nine games last year for academic fraud the first game he comes back he gets ejected um and then then like you know two three games later they're leading into the bowl game he fractures the quarterback's orbital bone the starting quarterback's orbital bone so then he's out for the game but they somehow don't suspend Willie Gay for that he plays in, in the bowl game gets like 11 tackles and a TFL you know he's all over the field he's he's a good player and he's fabulously athletic his coverage grades in college were absolutely fabulous so so we know he's like a really good coverage guy and in terms of like against the run his instincts are are wonky but he's a sideline to sideline guy He's a boomer bus guy, but he's going to be available later than he ought to be because, again, he didn't play as many snaps as he should have been. He's He was kind of a head case in college. But if I was the Rams, 
I think I would just lean all the way into this and just go boomer bust guys and, and hope that I, I hit the lottery and try to sort of get out of the hell I put myself in that way. Last team without a first round pick in our mock, we have them trading into Tennessee's pick and selecting Jordan Love. Well, let's say that doesn't happen. The Colts have picks 34 and 44. So they do yep. have very valuable picks to trade into the first round if they wanted to. Also, if players start to fall down the board and they don't feel committed to anyone, they could trade pick 34 for not necessarily a ransom, but they could probably move back into the second round a couple picks they wanted and pick up more picks along the way. Jake, if it's not Love that they go and get, what do you think they could do immediately? Because getting another receiver does seem to be in the game plan for them. Yeah, I'm so glad you came to me with this one because I get to throw out your name here in a second. Actually, so Pat if they Mayo, don't trade up to the Colts, I want that money, Jake. I want that second round money. <laughs> no, I was gonna say Paris Cambu is. I actually still think there's something left for him. I actually have high upside. I have high expectations for him still. So two things here: if Jordan Love doesn't go in the first round at all, and he's still there for the second round, I think that's kind of the easy, obvious pick. But to your point, if something else happens, Love goes somewhere else. Love goes to the Patriots. Love's not there. They, so they have 34. They stay at 34. They trade back, whatever it might be. I think wide receiver is one of those two second-round picks, even with Perdi Campbell, uh, because I think if you look at it, if Higgins is there, although I do think Higgins has kind of a bust floor in the NFL, it wouldn't be surprising to me if he didn't work out. But if Higgins is there, he makes sense. If Pittman is there, it makes sense. If some of the other ones like Ayuk, Rager, uh, Chenault, if they happen to be there, like wide receiver needs to be addressed, even if you are a fan of Paris, Paris Campbell like I am. He's still not a guarantee, especially with the injury behind him as well. So they've been trying to figure this out. They tried the Devin Funches thing. I think wide receiver makes sense for one of these two picks. Uh, and obviously, like I said, if what love still happens to be there, that, that's the easy one. Thor, with the Colts, it does seem like they've really improved at each level of their team outside of wide receivers. So with these picks, are you looking for someone, do you think, to step in, play right away, as most second-round picks are, or are these depth selections, maybe something for the future? Like, could you gamble a little pick with these picks? And almost like you talked about with the Rams, shoot for some upside. If it's a bust, you're probably going to be pretty good anyway. But if you can hit on someone with extreme upside, all of a sudden that does take you to the next level. Yeah, just because of the quarterback I signed, I would be looking for win now picks unless, like Jake said, uh, love falls. You know, I, I think just because of the upside there at the position he plays, you would have to use the first second rounder on him. But outside of that, um, I, I, I for sure would want to use one of those, the, and specifically the first one, I think, on an offensive playmaker, just because of the depth of this class, there's almost a guarantee that, the, you know, at that slot, there's going to be a stud available, you know, and in, in our exercise, um, you know, uh, was it Chenault was, Chenault yeah, was I mean, undrafted, Chen yeah. Yeah, so Chenault's still there. Uh, T. Higgins is there. Brandon Ayuk is there. I mean, Chenault would be, I, I, to me, that's, Slam dunk, uh, absolute slam dunk. Um, Ayuk would be a, a, another really, really uh, solid player there. Um, and 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 I agree with Jake. Um, Higgins scares me a little bit. You know, he's he's a downfield uh, jump ball guy. You know, catch his catch radius is great, but the, the athleticism um, is subpar. So I, I have a little bit of concerns um, in in that regard. But um, you know, I, I I would go offensive playmaker there. Um, and 
you know, Colts are in a solid position there with, with where their picks are just because of, you know, the depth of this class, there's going to be guys that filter down the board. And we were talking about it before. I mean, I'm just looking over, you know, my sheet here, you know, guys that I thought might, you know, th- that I put down that I thought might be going in the first round guys that didn't go here. We talked about Chenault Higgins, Ayuk, but also, you know, Austin Jackson, Isaiah Wilson, Neville Gavilmore, Ross Blacklock, uh, uh, Terrell Lewis, Zach Bond, uh, Fulton, uh, Noah from uh, Auburn. Uh, we talked about McKinney, another guy that I love to the moon and back. My my number one safety over McKinney, Antoine Winfield Jr. is going to be a star in this league. Um, he's a guy that is probably going to get into the second round. Um, I would be taking him immediately if I if I needed secondary help as well there. So um, there's going to be a lot of guys there, and you know, at the top of the second round who are going to be difference makers in this league. And with picks 34 and 44, I mean, two of those players you just named could theoretically be available for the Colts as well. Last thing I want to talk about before I let you guys go. Thank you all for your time. I know the people appreciate it. Smash that like button. But Jalen Hurts, right now on DraftKings Sportsbook, it's over under pick 60 and a half for him to go in the NFL draft. Uh, that's about even money on each side. It's minus 110 on each side or minus 115 on each side, taking 30 cents right there. But Jake, because I'm just interested for fantasy purposes here with Jalen Hurts, or if he's good or not, where do you rate Jalen Hurts and where do you think the landing spot is for him? So I have him in tier two. Uh, as you know, you talked to Emory Hunt. He compared him to Dak Prescott. I think that's selling his rushing upside short because he has, you know, we're talking about uh, the, the Murray upside of rushing. So I think for fantasy purposes, we're talking about potential QB one in the right situation. Now, do I think he starts from day one? Probably not. I mean, that's where this thing is not even going in the first round, but I think it hurts for the Dak Prescott side of his throwing. A lot of people like to throw out Tim Tebow. I don't even think that's fair to him. Yes, he does have some throwing concerns, but it's not Tim Tebow where you need to rework his entire throwing motion and that it fails anyway, because he keeps going back to what he's always known. I think Hertz is being underrated. I think if what you've seen, what he did from going from one big program to another, yes, we're talking about Big 12, but how many times do we have to dispel the notion of the Big 12 offenses inflating quarterback numbers with the past few years? I thought we've kind of moved away from that. So I think Jalen Hurts needs more respect. I think from a fantasy standpoint, QB1 potential. I think he can be a top 15 NFL starter as well. Not year one, but I think the right team could find him and knows how to use him. And I just don't understand why more people aren't fond of him because it feels like all the negatives that they want to throw his way are things we've said about other quarterbacks before and things have worked out fine. Thor, where do you have Hertz rated amongst your quarterbacks? I have him QB five behind love. So do you think that he'll end up going in the second round at some point? Like, do you see, because where his skills are so specialized, do you think that there is a team out there being like, oh, we love this guy. Let's, let's just trade up and get him mid second round. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, you said 60 and a half. I, I'm not sure who's picking there, but that, that seems like a pretty good number. Um, but yeah, I, I, I could totally see him getting taken in, in the second round, especially because when love goes, um, you know, the, the only other guy around there, you know, in terms of his value range is, is Jake Fromm and then, and then Jacob Beeson. Um, but I, you know, I, I, Jake Fromm is, is, is super boring and Jacob Beeson is, is super risky because <laughs> You know, the, the reasons I talked about before, um, you know, Jalen Hurts, you can you can do a lot of different things with him. 
Um, and he's a guy with, you know, he, he's another guy with clearly delineated strengths and, and, and weaknesses. He's a guy that doesn't turn the ball over. He's, he's very mobile. Um, you know, he was a, he was a Texas power, uh, uh, lifting champion in in high school, he's, you know, in, in terms of his mobility, he's like, a, a sort of like a sawed off, uh, Cam Newton type, you know, he's he sort of combines power and, and, and speed like that. Um, and then as a thrower, he's not going to be throwing downfield a ton that that's sort of the, the weakness of his game. Um, you know, he doesn't really read the defense down there too, too well, and he doesn't have a bazooka for an arm, but as a thrower, what he does do well is, is intermediate accuracy. And so mm-hmm. you're going to have to build the offense around him. Um, you know, in terms of like, you know, I sort of think of it like the, the Titans had talked a, a couple of years ago about sort of doing an exotic smash mouth offense. Well, I think Jalen Hurts in the NFL, if you were to build an offense around him, that's what it would look like, you know, theoretically of like, you know, a lot of RPOs, a lot of play action um, in an up-tempo type thing, uh, you know, spread, you know, p- probably with a big back, you know, like uh, he played with uh, Henry earlier on, you know, maybe like an A.J. Dillon or something like that. You'd want good receivers around him, guys that streaking across the middle. Um, he, he played with good receivers at Oklahoma. Dub- and yeah, double tap him and put Hamler on the same team in this draft. Absolutely. You know, and Ray Gore, you know, stuff like that. Like we know that, that Jalen Hurts is going to put it on the money in the intermediate sector and he scares defenses so much. He sucks bodies up. He sucks bodies up, especially, you know, with the RPO stuff and stuff like that. Like you have to come up because he will hurt you on the ground. You know, and if, if the running back is scary, too, he's going to hurt you, too. And so that would be the, the kind of offense that you you would have to do. Um, but you, you're going to have to construct that around him because, I to me, I don't know that Jalen Hurts can play in sort of your traditional type offense because of that limitation throwing down the field and stuff like that. But if you, if you build that offense around him, I could see that working. And to Jake's point, that kind of offense is, would be a very up-tempo offense where Jalen Hurts is going to be running around he's going to be throwing you know they're going to be doing lots of stuff it's going to be a ball control kind of offense um that would be kind of interesting from a a real life perspective and a fantasy perspective as well and if he goes in the second round my last point if he goes in the second round that would be indicative of the idea that an organization liked him enough to do just that hey pat you remember you want to talk about a quarterback who had to have these same concerns and have an offense built around him uh how about that lamar jackson guy yeah, but he also went to the exact right organization that was willing to embrace what he did well. You put him on right, but that's two, what Thor's two, saying. Two, yeah, but like if you put him on two thirds, just yeah, but just because you change your system to go around a quarterback doesn't mean it's going to work. You also need a good coaching staff, right? Obviously, like a co- yeah, we don't want to see him go to the Cleveland Browns or anything like that, even yeah. if they didn't have Baker Mayfield. So the the three <laughs> quarterbacks that like could technically be available at this pick. So Hertz is over under is sixty and a half. Fromm's is sixty and a half, and Eason's Ugh. is forty seven and a half uh, per DraftKings wow. sportsbook. Which one, Jake? Just one name. Which one goes first? Hertz. If he Thor? doesn't, it's criminal. Thor. Uh. I don't trust the NFL, so I, I'll I'll say Eason just because I don't trust him. But I I, I would agree that it, it it should be Hurts. Do you think that there's any possibility that let's say the Patriots or Saints potentially take love with their pick, thinking about the future in the first round? Would anyone trade up into the first round to get one of these guys to get that fifth year of control, Thor? Um. Maybe for Eason, he's the only one I could see. I, I can't see a team trading up for, for Hertz, but I, I could see Eason. But again, I would be laughing my ass off if it happens. <laughs> uh, Jake, can you see it whatsoever? 
I can't. Uh, Eason's the footwork, the decision making. Uh, Brock Osler was a giant kid too, remember? Yeah. And if you want the Fromm comparison, Fromm is Matthew Stafford with a weak ass arm. So, like, don't don't trade up in the first round for these guys. All right, that will do it. The Pat Mayo Experience 2020 mock draft. Thor, I want to thank you so much for being on. Can you tell everyone what you have going on over at Roto World for Draft Week and all of the work that you've previously put out? Absolutely. Yeah, you can check out my uh, scouting series. It's up on Roto World every single position, you know, scouting reports going like 15 deep. And I, I rank out like, you know, down to like 30 or whatever per position and coming out tomorrow on Monday, uh, the Thor 500, uh, where, you know, I rank out 500 guys. I have a comp on every single guy with their spark, uh, their RAS score, their adjusted spark score. Um, and just that, you know, something that you can, you guys can print out, bring to your, uh, zoom draft parties, I suppose <laughs> this year and just cross guys off as you go. So very excited about that as well. And you can find me on Twitter at Thor KU. Uh, maybe Gettleman will print it out so he doesn't have to mark up his screen the entire time. Who knows? Jake. Put it in the binder. Yeah. Jake, <laughs> theathletic.com, at AllInKid on Twitter. What you got going on this week for the draft? Yeah, if we want to go back to before the draft, I don't have 500. I just have my top 88 for quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. Skill positions because we care about fantasy more, if you're reading my stuff at least. But I have my mock draft first round out with some fantasy impact there. And then as I do every single year, live impact the fantasy players skill position players thursday night friday and then i'll intermittently update as the third day of the nfl draft happens and then monday rolls around after the draft dynasty rankings way too early rankings overall and all the good stuff covering the draft yeah i'll have a uh, similar stuff coming out not right away but you know because i don't feel like doing it right away we might do a draft recap right after the draft goes but Part one, part two of the mock draft. Obviously, you're watching part two. You can find part one in the description of this video and or podcast. Ditto for the scouting report with Emery Hunt, the team needs and salary cap implications and running backs with Evan Silva coming out tomorrow. We'll have the wide receiver rankings and then draft props, then a draft recap as well. So Pat Mayo Experience has got you covered for the NFL draft. I want to thank you all for watching. And if you want to get into a draw for 20 DraftKings dollars, remember to smash that like button, leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section, and at the pick of your favorite team, who do you not want them to take? What would be worst-case scenario for them to take? Of players that are around the range. Obviously, you don't want to take some guys who's not going to be drafted. That would be fucking stupid. So Eason. Don't, yeah. Eason is apparently everyone's <laughs> choice at that pick. If you want to get into a draw for 100 DK bucks, subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast. Leave a five-star review. DraftKings handle something you enjoy about the Pat Mayo Experience, and you're in that draw for 100 DK bucks. Thank you all for watching. I'll be live Thursday evening, DraftKings YouTube, DraftKings Facebook, DK Live app, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time because there is a DraftKings game going on which you want to play in to win some bucks. You can follow along with us for the first 15 or 16 picks of the draft or so, and then we might go live afterwards if I win some bets. Anyway, I'm Pat Mayo. Thank you all for watching. I'll see you next time. Mayo Experience! Experience!